my, this is my, my guy right here. Amen. I love him from the bottom of my heart. He's my best friend. His wife is my wife's best friend. And uh, our families are, are uh, growing up together. And we just, I just appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming out and being with us here tonight. All right. Well, I trust you came ready for some word. Yeah. Uh, that, that's about eight of you. I said, I trust you came ready for some word. That's about 14 of you. I said, I trust you came ready for some word tonight. Yeah. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just honor you. We bless you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come boldly to your throne that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And God, as we come today, we come in faith. We come trusting. We come believing that your presence is here. God, I know that you've dropped a word on the inside of my heart. Now I thank you for gracing me to be able to share and minister this word with accuracy, with revelation, with understanding in a way that your people can get it. I pray, God, that I'll be like a fly on the wall tonight, that I will speak with specifics and details that transcend my human comprehension, but speak specifically into the hearts and the lives of those that are here and also those that are watching via live stream. We thank you so much for every life that is going to be impacted, transformed, and changed as a result of these moments we have together in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in agreement with this prayer today, say it. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So again, I want to say welcome to those of you that uh, are, are tuning in via live stream. We're glad to have you here at Linked Up Church. Uh, I do have some notes uh, that will be available in the YouVersion Bible app if, for those of you that would like to follow along. Uh, I'm going to start tonight in Luke chapter 10. We're going to read a few verses. Uh, be before I introduce the title, we're going to get in uh, to, the, to Luke chapter 10 just a little bit, uh, and then I'll introduce the title to you a little bit into the message. So Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, uh, we're going to read through verse 42, and I'll be reading uh, this first passage from the Amplified Bible. It says, now while they were on the way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, it is of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone. Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. All right, so as we look at our text here uh, in Luke chapter 10, at first glance, what it seems like is the passage is saying that sitting and listening to teaching is more important than serving is. But when we look at different uh, verses in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 20, the Bible tells us that if anybody desires to be great in the kingdom, let them first of all be your servant. In Philippians, it tells us uh, that uh, to let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who took upon himself the form of a servant, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, and of course, the rest is history. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, we're told that we need to be faithful over that which is least before God can actually make us ruler over that which is much. Now, in order to really understand what, what, what Luke is saying here, you, have to, understand, you have, to, have to know that as a physician, the first thing that Luke does is he diagnoses the situation. And the diagnosis is that Martha was not just serving, but Martha was very busy and she was distracted with her serving responsibilities. And not only was she distracted and very busy, but she was also worried and she was bothered and she was anxious about several things. And I would dare to say, 
if this is what was going on with Martha, Martha more than likely was projecting the way that she felt upon Mary long before Jesus ever even got there on the scene. And I like what Jesus said here. He said, there is only one thing that is necessary and Mary has chosen it and it will not be taken away from her. Well, what exactly does Jesus mean by that? Well, in Ephesians chapter five, Paul uh, compares the relationship that Jesus has with the church to the relationship that a husband has with his wife. So in a, when we think about a marriage, uh, if I think about the relationship that I share with my spouse, I can learn a lot about being a husband being married to my wife, but I can also learn a lot about what Jesus expects from me as a spouse, being a part of his bride, amen, and him, of course, being the husbandman. In a healthy marriage, two things you need in a healthy marriage are intimacy and activity. One of the things that I, I say to, uh, to, to, to the brothers, I say, brothers, listen, domestic is the new sexy. And if my wife was here, if my wife was here, my wife would say, babe, domestic has always been sexy. Now, Mary chose the good part, the Bible tells us. She chose what was necessary. Well, just like in a marriage, you have to choose what's necessary. You have to know what's necessary. And there are times, you know, in a marriage where our spouses need us to be more involved than at other times. They need us to help out with the cooking and help out with the cleaning and help out, you know, with the kids and, and help out with the, you know, with the finance, financial responsibility. But how many of you know when we enter into a marriage, we don't enter into a marriage just to have a business partner. We don't enter into a marriage just to have a live-in roommate. So even though there is activity required in order for that marriage to be healthy, we can't allow the activity in the marriage to steal us away from the intimate moments that we also need in our relationship with our spouse. Good. Amen. And in Revelation chapter 2, you know, Jesus kind of elaborates on the point that I'm making here in his letter to the church at Ephesus when he said, I know your works. The word works in the Greek, what he meant was, I know what you're doing to help preach the gospel, and I know what you're doing in order to further my church. But in that same letter that Jesus wrote to the church at Ephesus, he also said, I, I have one thing against you, and that is you have left your first love. And so if you, you, you think about all these verses that I just mentioned, and you go back and you look at Luke chapter 10, what Jesus was saying to Martha is, Martha, Mary has chosen what is necessary. She has done what she needed to do in this given moment. And as a believer, as a Christian, you need to know when it's necessary for you to be a servant, and you need to know when it's necessary for you to be a worshiper. You need to know when it is time for you to sit on your throne like they do in Revelation with your crown on your head, knowing who you are but you need to know when the presence of God comes into a place and it's time for you to cast off that crown and become a worshiper because in that moment God isn't looking for your activity God is looking for intimacy with you in that given moment and listen to me, thank God for podcasts, thank God for sermon series, for SoundCloud, for YouTube. I listen to all of them, you know, on a weekly basis. But in a marriage, when a, when a husband and a wife are having an intimate moment, uh -huh. they don't want and they don't need anybody else in the room during that exchange. And when they get alone and they're in there breathing on each other, I mean, you know, one thing is going to end up leading to another thing. 
And it's the same exact way with Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Amplified Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed. Come on, God wants to get you alone, and he wants to breathe some things into your heart, man, that are, that are, that are going to empower you and cause a fire to light on the inside of you. But, but listen to me. God wants to make some moves on you that your eye has not seen, that your ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which he has prepared for those that love him. Amen. So in this relationship that we have with God, we need intimacy and we need activity for that relationship to be, to be healthy. So there are times where God needs us to be alone so that we can be intimate. And there are times where God needs us involved in helping to spread the gospel and helping to further what he is doing in his church. So on tonight, I want to take these next 28 minutes and 39 seconds. To talk with you about the subject of the dry season is over. The dry season is over. Now go with me over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 from the New King James. And then we're going to read verses 13 and 14 from the Amplified Bible. The classic edition. Then Jesus being filled, verse 1 says, with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Verse 13. And when the devil had ended every, the complete cycle of temptation... He temporarily left him, that is, stood off from him until a more opportune time, more opportune and favorable time. Then Jesus went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee and the fame of him spread through the whole region round about. All right. So I want you to notice here that Jesus went into the wilderness one way. And came out of the wilderness a completely different way. And sandwiched in between his entrance and his exit was him resisting the three proposals. These are the ones that we know about. The enemy presented three different options to him. Jesus resisted. And when it was all said and done at the end of the 40 days, he left, amen, in the power of the Spirit. So he went in the wilderness full of the Spirit. He walked out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner for Jesus Christ, he said that when he comes, he would baptize with water unto repentance. He said, but there is one coming after me whose latchet I am not, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I understand what John the Baptist was saying because when I gave my heart to Christ back in 1995, I didn't just get saved, man. I was on fire. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was willing to walk away from my friends, walk away from the lifestyle I was living at the time. Amen. Everything that I knew, it burnt up in that given moment. And I wanted to lay everything down so that I could serve God the rest of my days. I was on fire when I was 18 and I'm going to be on fire when I'm 80 years old. Come on. 
Listen to me, folks. Fire is not just a characteristic that should be limited to just young people. You should, you know, the older that you get in the kingdom, just because you gain wisdom doesn't mean you ought to lose your fire. It's just like if you're in a marriage and you were only on fire in your marriage the first few years and you're married 35 years now and you're no longer on fire for your spouse, that's not a good marriage. Come on, now. Come on, the longer that we're married, the more we ought to be in love. The more we ought to be on fire for each other. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you the last two years, 2017 and 2018, were two of the driest years for me spiritually that up to that point I had ever had in the 23 years I had been with God. And I felt like I was in a rut. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was in a rut. I just couldn't really find a good flow to my routine. I was, was doing, you know, what I had, all, had done the previous 21 years. And for some reason, things were just not clicking the way that I, supposed, the, the, the way that I thought they should have. I, thought I, was, I felt like I was in a rut, but I wasn't. What I was in was a dry season. And I didn't know it until January 3rd, 2019. I'm in my devotion time with God. I'm doing a study on the spirit, the the recreated human spirit and the Holy Spirit, going through all 612 verses in the New King James Version. And as I'm I'm marching through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, there was a song that rose up in my heart, and a, a part of the song says the dry season is over, and I heard the Holy Spirit say it. And I'm telling you the honest-to-God truth. When those words were breathed on the inside of my spirit, something shifted, and I have not been the same since. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, when we think about being led by the Spirit of God, most of us probably would not think that God would lead us into a wilderness experience. You know, but even when we think back in the Old Testament, there was a reason why God led the children of Israel through the wilderness and and did not take them immediately into the promised land. So when God leads a person into a wilderness or into a dry season, it is not always punishment because a person has done something bad. There is a divine reason. There is a kingdom purpose behind being led by the Spirit into a dry season. Now, there's a big difference between being led by the Spirit and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it tells us as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. There are two Greek words in the New Testament for the word sons. The first is the word technon, spelled T-E-K-N-O-N. And what it simply means is the offspring of God. And then there is another Greek word, which is the Greek word weos, spelled H-U-I-O-S. And, and Jesus in the New Testament was never referred to as just the offspring of God. He was always referred to as the weos. The weos are those that show maturity acting like sons. And that tells us that there are some seasons in the kingdom that are more so for your maturity than they are for your enjoyment. So I wasn't in a rut. I was led by the spirit into a dry season. And I want to share with you what I learned from this experience. Now, the reason why I want to share it is because revelation tells us uh, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
In other words, you know, the reason why you shouldn't get upset when somebody else shares their testimony mm-hmm. is because when someone else testifies, their testimony can end up becoming a prophecy in your own life. Amen. Someone else's revelation can be the genesis to your turnaround. This is why you need to get excited when God is moving in the life of somebody else because that's a sign that the line is moving. And one of the greatest revelations you can ever get is that God is no respecter of persons. If you've seen him do it for somebody else, God is also willing to do it for you as well. Somebody get excited in this place tonight. Now, the reason why I know that I was led by the Spirit into a dry season is because on February 3rd, 2017, I had a dream. Now, I write down my moments with God. My wife, one of the greatest pieces of advice she gave me as a believer, as a Christian, is when she told me years ago, babe, you need to document what God tells you. And uh, she said, there's only one of you. There'll never be another one here. And somebody needs to hear your story. And I realized that even as a dad, as a, as a parent, one of the ways I will pass on legacy to my children is to allow them to have my journals that I've accumulated over the years. Well, I've journaled my wisdom and the revelation that God has shown to me. And, and the reason why that was so profound is because I got saved in 1995. My, my wife at that time, she was my girlfriend, gave me that advice in 2003. I don't have any record record of my relationship with God from 1995 to 2003 other than a memory. From 2004 until today, I have 20 to, to almost 30-something journals of things that God has revealed to me over the years. And what I've seen is that God does not always reveal to you what you need right in that given moment. Sometimes he'll drop something on the inside of your spirit that you won't even use until 10 years later on. But if you don't write it down, your mind is a sorry place to store all of that divine information. So So on February 3rd, 2017, I had a dream. And in the dream, I'll just read to you some of the stuff I wrote down. I was talking with someone specifically about a 90-day prison sentence that I was going to have to serve. And I remember thinking about how hard it was going to be to be locked up for 90 days. And there were three specific things that I thought about in the dream that I didn't like. That I was going to have to drink their water. I was going to have to eat their food. And I was going to have to try to figure out how to do my devotion time in a tight space. And so the person in the dream suggested that I should use the time while in there to get in good shape. So I saw flashes of myself in good shape. But when I saw myself in that prison cell in that very tight space, what was interesting about it all is that the prison door was wide open. So here I am in a cell with the door open. All right. So I understood this to mean that I would feel confined during, this time, during my time with God, during this 90-day period, period, but I would not be in bondage, which is why the prison door was still left wide open. Now, what I thought was going to only last 90 days ended up lasting two years. And I didn't know it at the time. I thought the dream was God just telling me I was going to go through, you know, a dry season and he was the one leading me into it. Now, now let me clarify some things. Uh, over the last two years, I wasn't struggling to stay saved. You know, I wasn't struggling to, to stay in ministry. Me and my wife weren't, weren't burning down all of our gold chains and building a gold calf to, you know, to, and packing our bags to go move to Egypt. You know, we, we, there, there wasn't, it wasn't so much that we were, you know, pr- you know, tempted to backslide into things that God had brought us out of. What happened is I was just a little drier than what I was accustomed to the first 21 years. 
Even if I missed a few days, those first 21 years, by the time I sat back down with God, opened up that Bible a few days, that fire was ignited on the inside of me. And for two years, I had to go to devotion by faith. I really wasn't, I can't say that I felt a, a tangible presence like I had felt in times past. I can't say that revelation was flowing like it, like it had those first 21 years. But all I know is that I just need to keep doing what I know to do, and eventually it's going to all work itself out. And my thought was, this is only going to last 90 days. So, for, so in 2017, what I did was I hired a personal trainer. And, uh, and over the course of those next several months, I lost 40 pounds. My wife lost 60 pounds. And uh, we've committed to a lifestyle of health. So I thought the dream was solely about just me kind of, you know, getting in good shape. And God was going to break my routine and rebuild it with my health incorporated into it. Because listen to me, anytime you go to a new level, you're not only going to deal with a new devil, you also need a new schedule. Because when you go to a new level, you got to make time for things that you don't have time for right now. Amen. And, and, and up to that point, I had never had time to get healthy. It was either spend time with God in the morning or go to the gym. But I just didn't have time to, you know, to do both. And I just felt like you know, there wasn't an anointing for me to get up at 4 a.m. Some of y'all got a 4 a.m. anointing. I got a 5 a.m. anointing. I've tried to wake up at 4, and it's just the spirit of slumber and sleep just comes upon me. <laughs> And it affects me the rest of the day. I just, I, it was either one or the other. So I always capped out at 60 days. Well, now it's been two years. Me, me and my wife have been training, pers doing personal training for two years. And we're going to do it for the rest of our lives. And, and not only am, am I healthy, but now I got my fire back. Now the dry season is over. But listen to me, that prophetic dream, and it's really three pages. I just read a paragraph. That prophetic dream carried me through those next two years. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 tells us to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. A lot of times we're praying, God, bring me into a new season. God, bring me into a new season. God, bring me into a new season. But listen to me. When the purpose for the season has been fulfilled, you don't even have to pray and ask it to shift. It will automatically yes. shift. Seasons change once the purpose for that season has been fulfilled. Once I was done with the purpose for the dry season, God said the dry season was over. And right at that moment, revelation came, dreams came, vision came, prophecies came. I mean, things start unfolding that I had to work so hard to do those previous two years. So I want to share with you just some things that I learned during that dry season. We'll go through as much as we can. First of all, number one, dry seasons feel like they will last forever, but they're not supposed to. Dry seasons feel like they will last forever, but they're not supposed to. And, and again, an example I could give is that Jesus was in the wilderness for how long? 40 days. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years, and, and some people said it really should have just been an 11-day trip. That's right. So the decisions that you make in the dry season will determine how long that dry season lasts. Oh, come on. I'm getting ready to give you an eviction notice to serve to the enemy. If you look at Luke chapter 4, what it says at the tail end is that when the enemy had ended the complete cycle of temptation, life moves in cycles. Now, I'm going to say this so you may not like it, but it's true. Bad times don't last. Yeah. 
But watch this, good times don't either. Why do you think Paul said, you know, you know, I, I, I don't just glory in my strengths, but I glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities and my distresses. Why? Because when you serve God long enough, you're going to find that life moves in cycles. Look at fashion. Fashion moves in cycles. Look at the real estate market. It moves in cycles. And in the kingdom, it works the exact same way. The devil will try to make you feel like he has a permanent spot in your life. But what Luke just told us is when he ended the complete cycle of temptation. See, it's what happens with us sometimes. Sometimes we start a new habit and we're excited. We're excited about this new discipline. We post it. We take Instagram shots, show everybody in the world the change that we made. Amen. And then after we're in it a little bit, after the cycle comes back around, now all of a sudden you can't move based on feeling. You got to move based on discipline. Amen. So when the devil ended the complete cycle of yeah. temptation, he stood off and waited for a more opportune time to tempt Jesus. Come on, just like for the women in here today, for the wives in here today, there is a time during the month where the woman is the most fertile. You can try having a baby all the other times. But it's really that one time during the month where she is the most fertile, where you have the greatest uh, opportunity in order to conceive. And watch this. The enemy wants to hit you at the time where you're the most fertile, where you have the greatest potential to bring about something great. But watch this. God wants to do the same. God wants to plant the seed of the word on the inside of your heart at the time when you are the most fertile. And if you can just pay attention to your cycles, you can stop what the enemy is doing and you can release what God is desiring to do. Just paying attention to what is going on around you. I always encourage people that, you know, when you feel like you're struggling in a certain area and you're having a hard time breaking the habit, pay attention to your patterns. That's right. Pay attention to how long you do well. Like, do you do well for a week? And then after a week, it seems like you start struggling. Then that means that right when you come close to that week's time, you need to do something different to break the pattern. That's right. If you pay attention to your patterns right. and you pay attention to your cycles, you'll learn how to get a cycle to continuously move over and over again. This is what Psalm tells us. It says if you meditate on his word day and night, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Who brings forth your fruit in what? Not God's season, in your season. You can get to a place where you have regular cycles where things flow in and out of your life on a regular basis. Where you're not just getting blessed every now and then. You get blessed every year because the cycle keeps coming back around. Come on, somebody. The The second thing that I learned is that in a dry season... You have to do what you know, not what you feel. You have to do what you know, not what you feel. When Jesus was in the wilderness, the scripture does not give us any indication that he had any supernatural experiences during this time. It doesn't tell us he had a vision. It doesn't tell us he had a dream. Doesn't tell us he had a visitation from God. Doesn't tell us Moses and Elijah showed up when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. So for that time when he was in the, in the wilderness, he got through it doing what he knew to do from the scriptures. 
When the enemy tempted him those 40 days, Jesus spoke the word all three times. The word was enough to get him through the wilderness experience. And listen to me, the more complicated you make your problem, the more complicated you're going to think the solution has got to be. The word still works. The word still works. Come on, many of us grew up at a time where we believed in the power of confession. And we would get to confessing something 3,564 times every single day. And we believed things were going to shift. Things were going to move. Why? Because I'm doing my confession. There used to be a time, man, where we used to be the kind of folks that if something was going on in our life, we didn't just pray for it. We prayed through it. We prayed until something happened. We prayed until something broke. We prayed until we sensed a peace or a joy or a victory on the inside of our our spirit and I'm gonna tell you even though things are a little bit new in the church today there are some stuff that just still works prayer still works praise still works when you don't know what to do break out your weapon of praise and give God praise when you don't know what to do come on just because we got Google now right come on say it doesn't mean that some of those old weapons don't still work. Amen. Say, that, say this with me. Say the dry season, the dry season is over. over. Alright, number three. Man, that's good. In a dry season, just because you don't feel your fire burning doesn't mean your fire is out. Oh, come on somebody. Just because you don't feel your fire burning doesn't mean your fire is out. You remember in, in Israel, even though they were acting a fool in the wilderness, uh-huh. God was still a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So after January 3rd, 2019, every day I woke up, it was just, I mean, you might as well say Jesus was, 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 was standing at my bedside when I got out of bed. The revelation those next two weeks was just out of this world. The, 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 the sensitivity to what Holy Spirit was saying to me and what he was saying through me to other people was just, it was so effortless. It was so easy. After I hit about that third week, I remember I woke up one day and I hadn't done anything different from the previous day to this day. I woke up that next day and it was like I wasn't feeling what I had felt those last two weeks. Now, I'm a student, so I'm trying to learn. I want to understand what's going on here, what's happening, God. I mean, I I was on it yesterday. I could could feel you standing by my bedside, woke up today, and I don't feel anything. What's happening? What's going on? And as I begin to check my spirit, I've learned in life that uh, not to always be moved sometimes by the news that comes your way or by the things that are going on, but to check your spirit to see. God, what's really going on? I remember one time, I got a little bit of time, I'll I'll talk about this. I remember one time I had a dream. This was many years ago. I had a dream, and I I saw five guys breaking into my house. And at first when I had the dream, I just, you know, I just dismissed it. I cast it down in the name of Jesus. You know, that ain't going to happen. The blood of Jesus covers my family. The angels have been encamped round about us with long life. He'll satisfy us to show us his, our, our salvation. Amen. The devil is a thief, but I rebuke that thief. If he tried to steal, he going to return seven times as much as what he took. But then a few days later, I had the same exact dream. All right. So now based on scripture, Genesis 41, remember when Pharaoh had the dream? Yeah. Joseph told him the reason he had it is because it's getting ready to shortly come to pass. So I, I remember that verse. And so I checked my spirit. And I said, God, are you telling me this is going to happen? 
Or are you telling, are you trying to warn me into some things that I need to do? And the Lord told me at that time, at that time we didn't have an alarm on our house. And, you know, it's, it's a few things that kind of left us exposed. And the Lord told me, he said, I just need you to do certain, put certain things in place so that if someone was thinking about doing something, they would think twice about it. I had the alarm company on the phone that night. And then they were, they were, they were to my house that next day. And then we put a few other measures in place to make sure that we were covered. And I sensed total peace. Nothing happened. Nothing going on. But watch this. If I just would have reacted immediately to what I got, then I would have been thinking something bad is getting ready to happen to my family. And that's not what God was trying to that's say at all. Right. So, so, uh, so that third week when I wasn't, you know, feeling as stirred as I, stirred as I had the previous two weeks, I checked my spirit. And God does this with me sometimes. It probably happens with some of you guys too. He does some things sometimes where it's kind of like, all right, that's got to be the Lord because my mind was not on that at all whatsoever. So I checked my spirit. And on the inside of my spirit, I heard the instrumental to Stevie Wonder's song, Superstition. <laughs> now, Stevie isn't a regular on my playlist. He ain't even somebody that I, I listen to, you know, at, at really any given time. But I knew, I'm not new at this, I knew that I heard that song on the inside of my spirit. It was like there was a party going on on the inside, even though I didn't feel like a party on the outside. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not the only one living in here. Wow. I'm living in here too. And he said, just because you wake up and you feel a certain way, doesn't mean that when, I, that mean when you wake up, I feel that way too. So I learned something in that moment. I learned that I should not always dictate and control what's happening on the inside of me because I've got a roommate. I've got a housemate on the inside of me who might feel completely different about today than what I may feel. So now I'm not going to just let you live in me. I want you to have free reign of the house, Holy Spirit. I want to let you out. I want you to do what you desire to do in my life today because just because I feel a certain way does not mean that's exactly what's going on. That's good. I want to encourage you to let the Holy Ghost out. Some of y'all need to let the Holy Ghost out and play a little bit in your life. Come on, you got the Holy Ghost locked up in this little closet on the inside. You only let him touch certain areas of your life. You need to let the Holy Spirit reign in your house. You need to let the Holy Spirit reign in your life. You need to let the Holy Spirit get a little bit more involved in decisions that you make. Amen. And leading and guiding your steps. When you let the Holy Spirit reign, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Last point. Number four. Don't ever come out of a dry season empty-handed. Don't ever come out of a dry season empty-handed. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. One of the things that I've learned as a pastor over the years, that when people go through, a lot of times what they stop doing is they stop sowing the seed that got them to where they are now. Tragedy strikes, they pull out from serving, they pull out from giving. But listen to me. 
There are sowing seasons and reaping seasons in the spirit just like there are sowing seasons and reaping seasons in the natural. Paul told Timothy to be ready to preach the word in season and out of season. And I want to encourage you to be ready in harvest season, but stay ready in the dry season. Because you don't want to go through a dry season like you're going to be there forever. You want to go through a dry season like this is going to be over in a moment. And I'm going to keep planting the seed and keep planting the seed and keep planting the seed so that when I come out of this, I'm not coming out the way I entered in. Remember, Jesus entered the wilderness one way, left out of the wilderness another way. And if you enter into a dry season, don't stop sowing your seed. Don't stop sowing the seed of prayer. Don't stop sowing the seed of Bible study. Don't stop sowing the seed of giving, the seed of service. Why? Because you need to live like you're not going to be where you are forever. It is going to end pretty soon. And when it does, I want to make sure that I'm ready to reap the harvest of what I've been planting over these last months, years, however long it takes. Jesus went in full, came out in the power. Now, I look back at the last two years. I had 20 prophetic dreams during the driest season in my life. I had more prophetic dreams in two years than I did the first 21 years that I was saved. I knew God was doing something. Now, I wrote this in my journal at the very end. I said, just like a snake sheds its skin... I leave certain things in the dry season. I, I wrote that in my journal. Wow. Just, I believe it was the Holy Spirit that gave it to wow. me. Now, I, I, don't, I didn't know at the time why a snake sheds its skin. So my two oldest kids are really into animals. They're, they're 11 years old and 10. It's almost a little scary how much they know. And so I went to my son, Sean, at the time he was nine. And I said, Sean, why does a snake, oh, come on. Why does a snake shed its skin. And my nine-year-old told me something I didn't know about snakes. He said, dad, the reason why snakes shed their skin is because snakes grow their whole entire life. So a snake will get to a place where it can no longer fit the skin that it's in. And so when I wrote, when I wrote, I, 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 Like a snake sheds its its skin, I leave in the dry season condemnation, guilt, and a lack of confidence from not having my devotion flowing the way that I wanted to. I learned about the grace of God in that dry season. God showed up in moments over those last two years. I stood on some of the biggest stages I've ever stood on in my life in a dry season. God can move powerfully whether you're in a a good season or in what I was in and that was a dry season. Now there are some of you in here tonight. I believe that my testimony is a prophecy for some of you. There are some of you that you've been in a dry spell. You've been in a dry season. And I want to say a prayer for you tonight because I've cu- I went in, but I came out. I believe I can pray for you and, pr- and believe that the dry season will be broken over your life. So that's you today. I want you to just stand wherever you are. Just stand. I want to say a prayer for you, and I'm going to turn it over to Minister George. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. Now, I told you earlier, the word is enough. It's enough. It's enough to break what you've been going through. So I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I heard the word tonight. I'm encouraged. 
I believe you've spoken to me. Now I ask that you would restore once again the fire on my altar. I pray that the dry season that I've been in would come to an end. And God, if it's not time, reveal to me the purpose for the dry season. Show me why you have me here. And I trust you, God, that you will lead me out of this place and into a good season. You're just getting me ready for something greater. You're just getting me ready for something better. And I thank you that when Holy Spirit leads me, he does, he's not going to leave me where I'm at right now. So I declare tonight, I'm coming out of the dry season. And I'm not coming out empty-handed. I'm stocking the shelves of my heart with the Word of God, with revelation, and with the things that I need in order to fulfill God's plan for my life in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and give God praise by faith that you're coming out of that dry season tonight. Praise God.